Good morning, good day, good afternoon. This is Jake with Radio Wonderland. Man, there's a lot going on today. Uh, Let's see. Oh, man, I could just look over everything that I have in my notes here. A fungus attacking the brain derived from plants that Vice is reporting on. Could be the beginning stages of The Last of Us. Uh, fungal infection, zombie takeover. That's always good news. And speaking of zombie takeovers, we have San Francisco crime problem is through the roof. Democrats are leaning on Gavin Newsom uh, to be their presidential candidate. Trump talks to Tucker Carlson and says that him and Gavin Newsom got along just fine. Uh, in the Midwest, apparently, um, Bud Light distributors are fearing unemployment because they're seeing the sales on the street just dropping dramatically in the Midwest. White House press secretary is coming to Biden's defense uh, of why he won't take questions from the press, and the press is getting pretty pissed off. One woman explains how she gets men who like her to do things for her without questioning it. Now, isn't that just the oldest kind of story in the book? Anyways, McDonald's is releasing a new burger, and it swears to be their best. And this is an interesting story that I hope we get to. It's a study that claimed that COVID jabs have killed 280,000 people in the U.S., but guess what? That whole study got pulled. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that a surprise? Not really. Um, also, there's some apparently some errors with the six hour P3. To, uh, what is that? The P320? Um, P320 or P310? Hopefully, I can get to that. That's uh, There's been 80 cases of this gun firing on itself. Uh, people having it in the holster, carrying it in their back, and it firing right through their, blowing their butt off, basically. 80 cases of that uh, instances where the six hour. Um, very popular handgun has just been going off at random. And then we also have Stephen Van Zant, Bruce Springsteen's guitarist, goes on a hateful rant against Republicans on Easter Sunday, and he's at, at calling for the extermination of the right-wing uh, wackos, according to him. And then hopefully we can close it out on some personal... Um, no, not personal to me. <laughs> personal, personal to you, personal health. And it's about how couples, no matter how long you've been together, you need to schedule in some maintenance sex to keep your uh, marriage on the horizon. Okay, so that's all the stuff that I hope that we can get you to cover. Let me start off with this Pandora's box. Um, doctors warn of rising plant fungus infections in people after first of its kind case. The first case of C. purpurium infecting a person has doctors warning of a rising tide of fungus spurred by climate change and urbanization a man in india is the first known human to be infected by a fungus called condorsterium purpurium and it's a pathogen that is most well known for causing a disease called silver leaf in plants according to uh, a new study the patient who was 61 at the time of the diagnosis made a full recovery and has not experienced any reoccurrence of the infection after two years of follow-up observations. However, this first-of-its-kind case study exemplifies the risk that fungal pathogens pose for humans. Okay, so what they're basically saying here, this is the first step. For those of you that watched The Last of Us movie on HBO, uh, and the whole premise is that climate change got to a point where uh, fungus evolved to a point where they see the, the thing that keeps fungus out of our brain right now and out of our body, most funguses is because our body is too hot. The temperature in our body is too hot for it to survive. The premise in the last of us movie on HBO is that the fungus evolved and started to be capable of surviving in the higher temperatures due to climate change. And thus the zombie apocalypse that we have watched on HBO's series, the last of us. This case right here is a step in that direction. 
So if you're sitting at home wondering what you should do, you need to get Zombie Fortified. Zombie Fortified ASAP because this is just the first step. It's going art, uh, life imitating art. Uh, yeah, we're on that track. Oh, yeah, yeah. Zombie, zombie. It's going to start with some animals. We're going to have some zombie dogs in your house that are going to be gnawing your legs off, all that kind of stuff. This is the end of the world. Uh, this is, this is, this is reality. So prep for it. Okay. Uh, get your garlic for warding off Dracula, whatever you have to do. But I'm telling you now, you know, this is the early stages, but you need to prepare for the zombie apocalypse because fungus is evolving to get into your brain and it's just going to be in the world as we know it. I'm, I'm, I'm halfway joking on that halfway joking, but still it's, it has rise for concern. We just need your compliance. You will feel no pain anymore. No more defiance. We just need your compliance. All right. So professor Mark Skidmore, uh, this is the story of this uh, report that came out, um, stating that COVID jabs have killed 280,000 people in the U.S. Uh, this whole thing, it was out there, it was published for three months, and then it got pulled. And he's claiming 280,000 people dying from COVID jabs or complications thereof, and that number could be as high as 330,000 people. Um, that estimate was not... It started getting really scrutinized really fast by a peer review. Um, after it started going viral when people like Jordan Peterson were retweeting this um, study. Now, I guess the problem is this professor, Mark Skidmore, he's known because he has posted a number of articles critical of COVID jabs on his personal blog, and he used an online survey survey of 2,840 people taken in December 2021 to make his estimate of COVID vaccine-related deaths in the U.S. Um, flaws in the methodology... Are, are being pointed out by the peer review, prompting an internal investigation to how the paper ever got published. Now, I read through all this, and they say flaws in the methodology were quickly pointed out, but they didn't really don't say what those flaws are. But apparently, they have a problem, and they said that this was inappropriate, that you can't just poll 2,840 people and take an online poll and, and deduct numbers from that for you know to encompass everybody that's been vac- vaccinated in the United States. But what was this poll? This poll was asking these almost 3,000 people, uh, you know, did you know somebody that has died from either heart attack, blood clot, etc.? cetera? Uh, you know, pretty much a COVID complication from the vaccine. And um, those were the answers that he used to conclude these higher numbers for the whole country in, in, in regards to how many people are vaccinated. Because he's saying out of those 2,800 Almost 3,000 people that were polled, 612 people or 22% claim they had or knew someone who had died as a result. These included deaths from heart attacks, strokes, and blood clots. Professor Skidmore then used the data to create a vaccine fatality ratio and extrapolated that data to the entirety of the U.S. population that received COVID vaccines in the first year uh, since the vaccines were deployed. Professor Skidmore says the total number of fatalities due to COVID inoculation may be as high as 278,000. He claimed, however, that the actual death toll could be closer to 330,000, uh, according to his calculations. Now, I guess the question is, is polling 2,800 people and asking them if, if they knew somebody that died during COVID from either heart attack, blood clot, or whatever that third thing was, 
whether that's a viable uh, survey. And according to this publication, they're kind of pulling it back. They're retracting it. It's under peer review. They say it's still under peer review, uh, but they're not letting it fly. They say that's not an adequate way of uh, discerning some numbers for COVID vaccination deaths. Now, you be the judge. I don't know. Almost sounds, I mean, how legit are you going to be in this situation? I mean, come on. We all know somebody that died, right? Blood clot, heart attack, the whole nine yards. Yeah, eh, I don't know. But they're trying to roll back these numbers and, and pull that off the shelf. Okay, well, on to the next story. Uh, let's see. Let me Google here. Sig Sauer song. Let's see what I can find. Because uh, we need a little Sig Sauer music. Let's. What is this? By Colleen? Uh, let's see what this uh, sounds like. Zig Zor, Zig Zor, Zig Zor. Oh, Zig Zor. Oh, it's in German. Nice. Anyways, okay, so one of America's favorite handguns is allegedly firing on its owners, and that gun in question is the Six Hour P320. So if you have a Six Hour P320, uh, just be noted that there's been 80 cases of this thing going off on its own. Um, Dwight Jackson is one of these guys that it happened to. Dwight Jackson was getting dressed for a visit to his favorite cigar lounge. He slipped his holstered Sig Sauer P320 pistol onto his belt, put on a button-down shirt, and leaned across his bed for his wallet. Suddenly, he said the gun fired, sending a bullet tearing through his right buttocks and into his left ankle. He said he heard a bang. He's 47 years old. He's a locomotive engineer who lives in Locust Grove, Georgia. He looked down and he saw blood. His wife heard the shot from down the hall and screamed. She called an ambulance while Jackson hobbled toward the front door, painting a trail of blood over the hardwood floors. At no point, Jackson later told police, had he touched the gun's trigger. Now, the issue is the P320 is one of the nation's most popular handguns. A variant of the weapon is the standard issue sidearm for every branch of the U.S. military. Since its introduction to the commercial market in 2014, manufacturer Sig Sauer has sold the P320 to hundreds of thousands of civilians, and the gun has been used by officers at more than a thousand law enforcement agencies across the nation. It also has gruesomely injured scores of people who say the gun has a potentially deadly effect. More than 100 people allege that their P320 pistols discharged when they did not pull the trigger. An eight-month eight investigation by the Trace and the Washington Post has found at least 80 people were wounded in the shootings, which date to 2016. Uh, and I quote, the number and frequency of injuries are strongly suggestive of a design flaw versus a human performance error, said Bill Lewinsky. He's a behavioral scientist and executive director of the Force Science Institute and one of the nation's leading experts on accidental shootings. What we are seeing is highly unusual. So if you've got a Sig Sauer P320 in your back pocket, you might want to you know, be a little uh, cautious because apparently there's 100 claims. The, the, the Washington Post has found at least 80 people that have been wounded with that thing going off uh, involuntarily on its own. Uh, they don't say what the flaw is, uh, but just be cautious if you got a P320 laying around and you're, you know, don't want to blow your ass off. That's for sure. A little bit of Stephen Van Zandt. Now, why is Stephen Van Zandt in the news? Well, <clears throat> let's see. On Easter, he was responding to the shooting of Christians at the Nashville Elementary School, and he said some pretty uh, provocative things. Okay, maybe the fungus has gotten to his brain. Uh, his, his first post that was taken down... 
This is from Stephen Van Sant. His Twitter, it says, Outrageous doesn't begin to describe the actions of these Republican white supremacist scumbag cowards and pussies that need guns to feel like real men. Gen Z, Gen Y, Gen X will unite and exterminate these cockroaches once and for all. Now, come on, Lola. If that was some right-wing guy posting some outrageous stuff like that, they'd probably have the FBI at his house. But if not, if you're Stephen Van Zandt, exterminate these cockroaches once and for all. Other Twitter users swiftly condemned Van Zandt's rhetoric, prompting him to delete the tweet. But after he deleted that tweet, he issued yet another anti-Republican screed, calling his critics fox-sucking scumbag Russian bots and maggot cockroaches who take away women's rights, prevent black people from voting, harass trans people, and shoot kids. Hmm. Sounds, sounds legit. Sounds legit. Um, <laughs> and he also said, do what Republicans do best and get the fuck out of my feed, he demanded before deleting the post as well. Now, on Tuesday, he came back for round three. <laughs> maybe he was, I don't know, maybe he was a little high on hard-boiled eggs from his uh, Easter egg hunts or something like that. Anyways, on Tuesday, he claimed that he never called for violence against Republicans and that he clearly meant he wanted to exterminate Republicans at the ballot box. Not really. Oh, okay. It was at the ballot box. He never alluded to the ballot box. He says not in real life did he want to exterminate the Republicans. So oh, I guess all is forgiven. All is forgiven. We can give little Stephen Van Zandt a pass uh, because in hindsight, he was talking about exterminating these Republican, what, what did he say? Fox-sucking scumbag Russian bots and maggot cockroaches. Uh, he was talking about the, exterminating them at the ballot box. So it's all good now, right? Little Stevie Van Zandt. Opening up his mouth and uh, just getting a little getting a little wild out there. Well, Mr. Trump made his first media appearance since being arraigned at a Manhattan courthouse last week on 34 counts of falsifying uh, business records. Yeah, you guys all know about that. But anyways, uh, Tucker asked Trump whether he thinks President Joe Biden will run for re-election, and Trump's uh, resp- response to that is, "I don't think he can." Um, and then Trump took a detour to list potential alternatives such as Vice President Kamala Harris and Gavin Newsom. Uh, Trump says, well, obviously, the one they would talk about would be the Vice President Kamala, Trump stated, adding that she's had a rocky tenure as Veep. He then mentioned California's Democratic governor. Um, Trump called Gavin Newsom a very ambitious guy in California, but he's done a terrible job with the state. Uh, Trump also said that he used to get along great with Gavin Newsom. Uh, when he was president, he said he got along really good with Gavin. And then Tucker Carlson said, wait, you got along with Gavin Newsom? Trump says, yeah, I did. I really did. He was always very nice to me, uh, said the greatest things. He would say things like, he's doing a great job. <laughs> I can't believe I can't believe these, these are the clowns that we have uh, running for the president of the United States. But anyways, uh, apparently Trump surprised Tucker by saying that him and Gavin, you know, they were, you know, Gavin would really praise Trump about doing such a great job in the White House. And uh, Trump is calling on either uh, the vice president, Kamala or Gavin Newsom uh, to be ran on the uh, Democratic ticket. And in that same vein, um, in the Telegraph. The Democrat favorite to replace Joe Biden and seven others who are in the running. Uh, Gavin Newsom, the Democratic governor of California, has emerged as a leading contender to replace Joe Biden as the Democratic nominee in 2024 if the president ends up not seeking reelection. Uh, so that's what the Telegraph and some other articles are claiming that Gavin Newsom, 
that's the go-to guy. So let's see if Gavin Newsom can go up there, get elected, and just derail this whole country the same way that he has done California. That'd be just awesome. That would just be awesome. First, we have a zombie apocalypse taking off, and then we have Gavin Newsom to just, uh, you know, just destroy everything in his path like a natural disaster. Sounds great. Sounds great. Because I tell you what, Gavin Newsom, um, he would be much more proactive than Mr. Joe Biden, who's sitting around fumbling like a babbling fool, uh, Gavin Newsom would actually spearhead doing some damage to this country. So Gavin Newsom is actually a scary contender, if you ask me. Um, and he's, you know, he's a slick guy. He's a professional politician. He's got the slick back hair. You know, he's, uh, he's, he's totally above everybody else that he governs. You know, he puts legislation out there or, or mandates out there to the public that he doesn't abide by. He knows that he's above the law and he doesn't give a shit. He, he just considers himself in a different category of human than the than his constituents. So Gavin Newsom, to me, would definitely be a big time damage to this country because he doesn't care. The rules don't apply to him. You know, he's just he, he's, he's just uh, he's a scumbag. I can't stand him. Yeah, but that's what uh, people are pointing towards is Gavin Newsom as the next potential candidate to run if sleepy Joe Biden uh, doesn't rerun again. All right. Bud Light has been in the uh, well, they've been making some statements in the past couple of days. Basically, they're they're trying to um, say that this whole Kid Rock thing doesn't have, you know, that big of an impact. They say that since they joined forces with Dylan Mulvaney back in whatever month it was, their stock prices have been up eight percent. And yeah, they did take a little bit of a tumble when Kid Rock was blowing up cases of Bud Light, but that was only a 3% drawback. But they say overall, we're still at record high stock prices. So Bud Light is like uh, 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 claiming that th this has no impact on them. But, but there's a problem. And the problem is with the boots on the ground guys, the Anheuser-Busch distributors in the Midwest are definitely seeing uh, a drawback in our are having concerns that they're going to be in unemployed. Now, this is a, uh, a a Bud Light distributor. He went and he's got this viral, viral tweet going on. And let's take a listen to this. Um, I work for an affiliate company. I am a merchandiser. And the sole product of the company I work for is Anheuser-Busch products. So with all this canceling going on, um, there's, I mean, I've never seen such little sales in this past few days uh, on these products. And it's, it's sad because when people don't buy this beer, I don't make money, and I can't feed my family. So it's kind of uh, heartbreaking, I guess, that um, Anheuser-Busch did what they did. They don't know their clientele. So it's uh, kind of heartbreaking. Thanks, Anheuser-Busch. I may not be able to feed my family coming up here soon. Okay, also jumping on the bandwagon is the anti-trans activist, penis-tucking Caitlyn Jenner. And she's coming out and she's blasting woke Nike for making transgender Dylan Mulvaney a paid ambassador. This is an outrage. This is an outrage. <laughs> you know, only in America, only in America will a transgender person be the, the one of the forefront leading voices against all the transgender ideology that's going on in the country. This is only in America, only in America. Caitlyn Jenner has come up with this fairness first political action committee. Okay. Her PAC. 
his pack, whatever. She's packing sausage. Who cares? Um, Jenner launched this pack this week, and the objective of this pack is to fight the radical gender ideology, put parental rights at the forefront of education, and keep boys out of women's sports. Speaking like a true male. Spoken like a true male. After it was revealed that transgender influencer Dylan Mulvaney is a paid ambassador by Nike, Jenner tweeted her frustrations. Jenner said, as someone that grew up in the awe of what Phil Knight did, it is a shame to see such an iconic American company go so woke. We can be inclusive, but not at the expense of the mass majority of people and have some decency while being inclusive. This is an outrage. Uh, that was a tweet from the 1976 Olympic gold medalist, um, well, then known as Bruce, now known as Caitlin. And uh, uh, Caitlin also says, equality, inclusive, in- inclusivity, stop trying to erase women. The differences between men and women are real and are a good thing. It doesn't make trans people a bad thing either. Why is it so black and white with the radical rainbow mafia? Caitlyn Jenner. Yeah, man. Caitlyn Jenner just tucking that dick and just coming out there and speaking against all this transgender. Uh, what? I swear, only in America would this ever happen. Ever happen. Jenner, the, the transphobic, anti-trans ideology spokesperson that has tits. All right, for one more thing to add to your plate. Now, this is in the department of, um, I guess, relationship therapy. I guess we can go and we can say that. And um, what you need to do, along with changing your car's oil, you need to have maintenance. You need to have maintenance in the bedroom. And they're talking about couples today, basically, they wait for the stars to align for them to have sex, whether it's kids crying or whatever, stressed out tired schedules and they say if you want to have a healthy relationship you have to schedule some maintenance sex you got to get down dirty put on your coveralls and maybe wear some latex gloves and just do uh, check the undercarriage for uh, you know lube the chassis per se uh, before you ex- begin to express your sexuality, you might have a different view of sex altogether. Over the years, we've essentially seen the same portrayal of sex on the big screen. It's always been a fiery, passionate act where two people just cannot keep their hands off each other and need to get it on ASAP. And at the start of a new sexual relationship, sex can feel that way, but as time passes, things change. And here we go. This is article is saying with busy schedules and tight deadlines, it can be hard to find some quality time where you're not exhausted or stressed. Sometimes you and your partner have to handle mismatched libidos. Having children can also complicate your sex life because there are always more pressing matters at hand for these reasons and more. It's unsurprising that a study found that 15% of marriages are sexless. While it's possible for marriage without intimacy to last, it isn't ideal. Sex plays a big part in a healthy marriage, as we all know. It's a way to keep the romance alive through the years, but on an emotional level, it does much more than just that. It strengthens intimacy, relieves stress, helps you understand your partner better, and further fuels your meaningful connection. While everyone wants these things in a relationship, it's difficult to make a consistent effort. If you're in a situation like this, maintenance sex might be the answer to your problems. 
Okay, so what is maintenance sex? Well, instead of waiting until all the stars have aligned to have sex, you set out times in the week to have maintenance sex. If that feels too restrictive, you can keep things more open-ended in this case. Uh, you make an honest effort to have sex by asking your partner if they're in the mood for it more often instead of letting things go on as they are. At its core, maintenance sex is about consistently prioritizing sex. So there you go. So put it on your chore list. I got to take out the trash. I have to feed the dog. I have to empty the kitty litter uh, bucket. I have to suck John's dick or I have to eat uh, Virginia's vagina, uh, whatever it is. Uh, you need to have maintenance sex on your schedule uh, right, between, right between uh dinner and uh, your ice cream sandwich that you have every night. You need to pencil in a little bit of maintenance sex if you want your relationship to survive. Let's see. What do you have to do this week? Well, I got to do my taxes. I got to... I gotta, I gotta fondle Virginia's boobs at 2:30 to 4, 2:45. Uh, some little maintenance fondling, uh, possibly some uh, maintenance fingering. I don't know, but there's some maintenance that has to be done there. You gotta blow the cobwebs off the old vagina and get in there and get dirty, uh, whether you like it or not. Anyways, this has been Jake with Radio Underland. Uh, make sure to schedule your maintenance sex. Other than that, I will see you guys later. You guys have a good day today. Rock out with your cock out, I guess. Later. <laughs>